The name of this book is called My Journey Back from Chronic Pain and Crippling Anxiety, Lost and Broken. Congressman Adam Smith, welcome to WGN in Chicago, though you are a congressman in Washington State. How are you? I'm doing great, and it's a pleasure to be on. I I grew up watching WGN and Cubs baseball, huge baseball fan, so I always appreciate the fact that you brought a little baseball to the world, even way way back in the day, before it was as widely available. In, so. in fact, uh, Vicky Santo, Ron Santo's uh, widow, is going to be on this show in a couple of weeks talking about oh, the cool. Ron and Vicky Santo Diabetic Alert Dog Foundation. I want to talk to you about your book and about the chronic pain and anxiety and medical issues you had and bringing yourself, sort of speak, out of the closet, if you will. But before I do, the little bit of news person in me wants to ask you, you being for years now in the House Armed Services Committee, about what's been in the news, specifically cluster bombs that President Biden says it's necessary to provide Ukraine with. Uh, How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, it's a tough decision. But by the way, I was actually I was the chairman of the House Armed Services Committee for four years when the Democrats were in charge. And now I'm the, the ranking member. Um, so definitely been very focused on these issues. And I've, I've been to Ukraine during the war and met with President Zelensky. Actually, your local congressman, Mike Quigley, yes. uh, came with me on that on that trip. Um, so now I'm very focused on this. And I think it was it was a difficult decision, but it was the right decision. And what folks need to understand as Russia continues to prosecute the war against Ukraine is we are getting low on crucial ammunition. And and the decision that President Biden made was, you know, we needed to use these weapons now because we were running low of the others. And the plan is these are a stopgap until we can get the production ramp-ups going. Um, And also the the cluster munitions here, um, the big issue on a cluster munition is it's a number of different bomblets that come out of one shell, and frequently they don't explode. And that's the problem. You wind up with unexploded ordnance lying on the battlefield long after it's, it's um, happened. I mean, gosh, it's, there's still unexploded ordnance in Vietnam. I was actually in Guam last week. Believe it or not, there's still unexploded ordnance that they come across from time to time there. But the issue with our cluster munitions is they have a much lower rate of unexploded ordnance. The Russians have been raining cluster bombs down on Ukraine for a while with unexploded rates of like 30%. Uh, the ones we're sending have an unexploded rate of just over 1%. Um, and also, it's Ukraine's country. They're trying to take it back. Uh, they want these and believe that they need them. So I think it's a, a different situation than a normal situation where cluster munitions could be used. Um, so a tough call. We'd prefer not to have to use these type of weapons. But Russia has sort of forced Ukraine's hand on that, on that front. So when you said running, we're running out of munitions, I think was the way you put it. What, by yes. we, I, I suspect you mean Ukraine. But there's a concern some people have that America has spent so much and we are providing so many ammunitions that should we need them? And and you said we have to ramp up production of these. Are, are we yeah. going to be in trouble? Well, first of all, when the reason that we're, what we're running low on is we're running low on the munitions that we can send to Ukraine because part of our thing is we are making sure we maintain our own stockpile. We are not giving the Ukrainians everything we have, and neither are any of the other 53 countries in our coalition. That's part of the problem. We are maintaining the stockpile. We need to meet our own national security needs and trying to find surplus for Ukraine. Um, so that's the challenge. And yes, we have also realized if we got into a conflict, 
we need to be able to ramp up production more quickly than we have in this instance. And there's a lot going on, not just with the U.S., but with our allies as well to do that. But I really want to emphasize we are not digging into our stockpile that puts us below what we need to meet our national security needs. One more question along these lines. I read something about Putin sending, and I'm pretty vague about this, I'm sure you are not, sending nuclear weapons up toward the Arctic Circle and or that he is also completely different. That's one question, and the second very different question is he is actually concerned about his future and Russian citizens are beginning to catch on. Can you comment on this? Look, I mean, the, the huge challenge here, Russia is a nuclear power, and, and Putin has chosen to make them an expansionist nuclear power. And that's dangerous and worrisome. Um, I'm deeply worried about the fact that the U.S. and Russia, after decades of having negotiated arms control around nuclear weapons and nuclear testing, those treaties are falling apart. We're not talking to each other. We, we've got to get back to the point where we have a dialogue dialogue with Russia about this because mutually assured destruction isn't good for anybody. Um, you know, we need to make sure that we're communicating. As far as the internal politics in Russia are concerned, it seems to me like Putin's going to hold on to power. I mean, he, he was threatened, and that threat went away very quickly. Um, so a lot of people are speculating that this has weakened Putin. I think it's weakened him a little bit, but I don't think it makes it any more likely that he's going to be ousted. I mean, if anything, he's proven that, you know, he, he will survive those attempts. So we're going to have to deal with a Putin-led Russia for a while, and I, I, could spend, I could spend an hour talking about the challenges there. Um, but without question, it is a challenge that we need to be prepared for. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I do have one more question from my uh, listener, 312-981-7200, of course, if you want to call or text. Uh, will you ask your guest about the fact that uh, Ukraine gave up its nuclear weapons? I'm not understanding that. Oh, yeah. No, I do understand that. So understand, Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union. So when the Soviet Union collapsed, um, there were, gosh, I forget the numbers, a lot. I think it was north of a 1,000 nuclear weapons that were in Ukraine um, because the Soviet Union had put them there. And one of our big efforts, once the Soviet Union broke up, was to try to contain the risk of the um, proliferation of nuclear weapons. And Ukraine agreed to give up all of their nuclear weapons in exchange for security assurances from Russia. <laughs> so mm. that didn't that didn't work out too well. No, um, Russia kind of lied about those security assurances. But yes, I mean Ukraine. Ukraine's a massive country and was a huge part of the Soviet Union, and a lot of nuclear weapons were located in Ukraine uh, during the course of the Cold War. So there had to be a negotiation to remove those weapons and basically put them back into Russia. It's also possible that we decommission some of them, I forget. But yeah, no, that was a treaty signed in 1994 between UK, Ukraine, Russia, and the United States to give up your nuclear weapons in exchange for security guarantees. All right, I'm going to get in big trouble, I'm sure. You will never allow me in D.C. if we don't talk about your book. The name of the book is Lost and Broken, My Journey Back from Chronic Pain and Crippling Anxiety. Congressman Adam Smith, uh, in the so-called executive summary of this book, you go through, I think it is 10 points. Gosh, I wish we had time to talk about all of them. I'm not sure we mm -hmm. do. Uh, but the first one is you say we must eliminate the stigma uh, that this country has surrounding mental illness. And I'll add to that the stigma 
particularly of a public person. And being an elected official, you are, by definition, a public person. Can you comment on this? Yeah. No, I think that was one of the initial challenges. You know, we don't really talk that much about mental illness. So when I started experiencing symptoms, I just, I it never occurred to me that I would ever have a mental illness. Um, and, you know, much less what to talk about or how to address it. So, and then, yes, as a public official, my assumption was that if anybody found out about the anxiety that I was experiencing, that I'd lose my job. I also worried how people would perceive me. Um, so that was a significant impediment up front in knowing where to look to get help um, and then in finding that help. Now, I think we've gotten a little bit better on that in recent years. More people are talking publicly about depression and anxiety, but it is still a challenge. Um, and what I want people to understand is, you know, physical problems, we have less of a problem talking about. Um, mental health is somehow still deemed as something that you'd rather not have publicly known. And really, mental health is the same as physical health. we got to understand how our mind and body work if we're going to get to a healthy place. So, yes, I mean, I'm, I'm very focused on opening up that conversation and making people feel more comfortable coming forward and saying, I have anxiety, I have depression. Because that's, as I say in my book, that's the first step. You know, you've got to acknowledge you have a problem and be willing to go out and seek help if you're going to get better. Well, and you kind of fell into both categories or fall into both categories. Yes. So uh, can you talk about that a little bit, the, both the mental health issues but also physical issues that you had? I don't know whether you still have these issues or not. No, I'm better now. Um, but it was a, and that's the main point in the book is I was in a horrific place. I mean, I opened up the book talking about how in 2016, you know, I'd just gone through my third hip surgery and I wasn't getting better. Um, I was on a bunch of different drugs for both anxiety and pain. I you know, had atrophied terribly, and my, I was in pain. I couldn't stand, walk without severe pain, and anxiety was a constant theme. And you know, about how do I how do I get out of that? How do I figure this out? Um, but I did figure it out. And if I can leave you with one message, it's the biggest one: you can get better. One of the things I well is that, you know, people talk about it, but it's like, is there a path to getting better? Yes, there is. There are treatments that exist, and I found them. It just took me going through like 100 different healthcare providers before I found a muscle activation therapist who could help me with my pain and a psychologist who could help me with my anxiety. Well, I, I want to stop you, them, if I yeah. can interrupt you for sure, a moment. Please. I mean, yeah. you're, you're a congressman, and, and you had right. to weave through... I don't know, 48 pages worth at least, to find, right. to find the right people to help you. If you don't have an advocate, first of all, and say you're 83 years old and live alone, you don't have an advocate, or even if you do have an advocate, how can people navigate the system? As I said, you had resources that a lot of people don't have. Our medical situation you write about in the book, uh, and again, the name of the book, friends, uh, is Lost and Broken, and eventually you did find yourself and become repaired, so to speak, but how can people go through this if you couldn't figure it out so easily? Yeah, well, two things. First of all, I did eventually figure it out, and that's yes. one of the big eventually. messages. Eventually, eventually, yes. Right. 
Understood. But, but, but I think that's a huge message. You have to be persistent. Um, you know, it, this isn't easy. Figuring out what is causing physical pain and what is causing anxiety or depression is not easy. Every individual is going to be slightly different. You need to really work with a therapist, work with, you know, people on the physical and on the mental side to get after that. So number one, be, be persistent in terms of finding that, that help and figuring out what, what's wrong. So I, I think there is a path through this, but I don't, I'm not going to say this is easy. It, it's not. Um, it is, however, more possible than it may at first appear. Um, and so if you read the book, I, I lay out, and I can't do it in just a couple of minutes, the steps I took and the treatments that I found that ultimately were helpful. Um, and I hope that if people read this book, in part, that will that'll help them skip a few steps that, that, that I went through and, and had to find out because I didn't know anything about where to go and how to get that help. And I will also point out, I, I, I know people as a member of Congress. I'm a career public servant. I don't have a ton of money. And I did have to make some decisions where, okay, that person is not covered by insurance. Maybe they can help me. I can't go there because I can't afford that. Um, so and I think a lot of people experience that. But there are psychologists, and I also am a huge advocate of muscle activation therapy. Um, I went to a bunch of physical therapists, none of which actually helped me until I had a muscle activation person explain to me how muscle activation is a crucial part of reducing physical pain. And ultimately, that, that's what got me past that point. So muscle activation techniques, Google it. If you have pain, those are people to go find who can really make a difference and help you physically. Well, Google it or pick up the book. Uh, but you say, yeah. mm -hmm. in your own words, our healthcare system in America is not well designed for the type of critical thinking and complex problem solving and many healthcare challenges that uh, many ch healthcare challenges require. Uh, so you, in that, in your own words and elsewhere in the book, uh, say we need to do better in this country. Yeah. Two things. One, the lack of access. We're the only developed country in the world that doesn't have a universal access healthcare system. So now, now believe me, I am fully aware of the fact that universal access healthcare systems and single payer systems are not perfect. You don't get all the healthcare you want all the time you want it, but at least you know that you're covered. Okay, that you can walk into a provider and you know you've got insurance. So you skip that first very problematic step that you have to figure out about whether or not you're, you know, you, you can afford to go see a doctor um, or afford to go see a psychologist. So a universal access system would help. And the second thing is, is, is more difficult, but it's just the way we approach medicine in this country. Um, we do not approach it in a, in a broad problem-solving approach. It's very quick. You see you. Hello? I hope see so. you for two hours than if they see you for two minutes. Um, and that leads to some bad decisions because it takes time sometimes to figure out what is the right diagnosis, what is the right treatment. So you have to work to make sure you have those discussions and don't just jump at the first solution that's thrown out there. Do you think the solution is too often pharmaceuticals? Uh, absolutely. It's the, it's the easy button in both physical pain and mental health. Here, take this drug. Um, it is, and look, I want to be clear. There are some people without question who medication can help, but I make this statement with absolute confidence. We way over-prescribe drugs for mental health problems in this country without getting at what is really the underlying issue. And the underlying issues are 
basically what is going on in your life you need to really dive into the question of what are you really upset about what is really making you anxious it could be something that's going on right now in your life it could be something from your childhood you need to explore those issues to really be honest with yourself about what you're feeling and then second you can train your brain to better deal with stressful situations you don't have to chase every emotion that comes into your head But you need work to figure out how to do that and help to work on it. And if you're drugging yourself, that just makes it more difficult to do those two things, to be honest with yourself and to train your mind how to better process stress. So, yes, I am deeply concerned about the I was on a lot of medications, and it wasn't until I finally got off of all of them, not easy, by the way, Mm -hmm. um, that I was able to get my brain where it needed to be. Not to mention the side effects of some of these drugs. Uh, the name of the book Absolutely. again, yeah, it's called Lost and Broken, My Journey Back from Chronic Pain and Crippling Anxiety. I wish we had more time with you, Congressman Adam Smith. Thank you so very much, and perhaps down the road we can talk again. Yeah, happy to. I appreciate the chance. Thank you.